It is Friday and the first official day of summer. Glad to have you along. The solstice, I think, is what they call yes, it. Didn't it we have this discussion a few it weeks is. ago, Ryan? It's the yeah. summer solstice. This yeah. time I got it right. Yeah, you did. Equinox is fall and spring. Yes, it is. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along this Friday afternoon. What's up, Ryan? What do you got planned for the weekend? Uh, I'll be working the desk this weekend, so not... Sorry not, I asked. Yeah, not not huge plans. Uh, my evening will be spent at the office, but uh, yeah, I mean... I hope to get out and do stuff Sunday, though. I swear the best conversation happens off air because I love it whenever you come here and tell me what you're going to do for this weekend. It's one of the highlights of my week. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I make you smile. <laughs> well, we got a lot of other things that are going to be hopefully some others' highlights for this week. We've got uh, the NBA draft to recap. It is draft day, two days in a row, the NHL draft tonight in Vancouver. And, of course, we got Ryan here for that, so we're going to get the inside knowledge on it. And, of course, uh, the Friday Funnies. All that and more coming up over the course of the next hour. Let's start in basketball. We'll transition to hockey and then the Funnies. Uh, but with the NBA draft last night, any first impressions? Um, you know, I going in, I thought it was kind of a, a weak draft. It wasn't a stack draft like it's been in the past. So uh, there were no jumping out at me, you mm-hmm. know, things. Uh, my favorite one is that the uh, the Wizards, who lack a GM, uh, drafted a guy who they didn't talk to or know <laughs> anything about, <laughs> which it's like, are you phoning it in at that point in the draft where you just like that name sounds interesting? Let's go that route. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what the Wizards did. So that that was my favorite thing. I tell you what, uh, it was top heavy, no yeah, doubt. Very much. Zion yeah. was one of the best players that the draft has produced. At least we think he will be in a long time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, certainly there were some quality players that went in the first few picks. It, it got pretty interesting, though, and there were some clear yeah. winners and clear losers. For me, I had three big winners from last night, mm-hmm. the Pelicans being one. Yeah, they look obviously. like David Griffin and that front office. They're new this year, and they are looking like they're going to put the Pelicans on the path to success. They're doing a great job. Which I didn't think was possible to have the New Orleans no. Pelicans be successful. I they, mean, they had Antonio Davis, but that was it. They could be a playoff team their first year without Anthony Davis. Which... You know, was kind of unheard of. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. They're retooling they that team the out. right way. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's what you need to do. You need to look at things from a different perspective, and I think they're doing well. I think they were a big winner last night. I thought the Atlanta Hawks were a big winner last yeah. night. They knew who they wanted. They traded up and got DeAndre Hunter at number four. Mm-hmm. And then Cam Reddish surprised people a little bit, falling back to number 10. I thought he'd go seven, eight, something like that. I thought he would, too. But... And he ends up going 10 to Atlanta. Their loss, it means Atlanta's game. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Hawks are also managing their team successfully. Hard the to team, believe. Yeah, yeah the, the teams that you wouldn't think would be drafting intelligently did last night. So there you go. The third winner last night was Canada. New well, Orleans, can- Atlanta, and Canada were the big winners of the NBA draft. Mm, yes. Canada just still celebrating. So. Six Canadians right after the city of Toronto wins its first ever NBA championship and the Larry O'Brien goes up north for the first time ever. One week later, six Canadian players get drafted. That is a new international record. It breaks the previous record of five set by France. Uh, I When you look at Canada, I feel like that the Raptors win will put an even bigger st- spotlight on their players because... How many Canadian players did you know of? Steve Nash? Yeah, he's about the only <laughs> one that had a successful NBA career. Yeah, so it's now the profile, you know, the spotlight's on their country, and I think it'll, you know, really generate some more interest in, in basketball in Canada. And uh, there were a lot of good players that got taken out of that. Do you remember Ignis Brasdakis being one of them? Unfortunately for him, he went to the Knicks. Uh <laughs> Do you remember about six years ago, there was a huge influx of Canadian players coming to America to play college basketball here, and none of them just really translated to the NBA. I don't know if this will start to uh, change the trend, what have you, but you're right when you talk about who's recognizable other than Steve Nash, or who really turned themselves into a really good NBA player other than Steve Nash. Yeah, it's. I feel like you know Canadian basketball players don't get the large amount of competition that they get until they get to the college level. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe the game doesn't translate over that well. Um, There's a lot of stiff competitions because now, not only from American players, but they recruit overseas now. I mean, Beeline did a great job of doing that too. And uh, I think I'm hoping it changes because I like it when other countries get uh, the respect they deserve. 
I just pulled this up, the Canadian national roster, because we've got the FIBA World Cup coming up yeah. here in a couple of months. This is their starting lineup as it is right now. Tristan Thompson, Kelly Olenek, Andrew Wiggins, Jamal Murray, and Corey Joseph. Nice. Yeah. Didn't even know Jamal Murray was Canadian. I don't know that either. <laughs> uh, their reserves, Dwight Powell, Trey Lyles, R.J. Barrett, Nick Stauskas, and Shai Gilgis-Alexander. That's a great name <laughs> to close out the list with. Yeah, And they've got a bunch of guys fighting to make the team. Chris Boucher, Andrew Nicholson still in the league, Kevin Pangos, Dylan Brooks, Tyler Ennis, Anthony Bennett, he's still around. Uh, then a bunch of guys I haven't heard of. Kyle Lowry, Landry. <laughs> I was going to say Kyle Lowry. Yeah, Lowry. <laughs> Excuse me, Landry. Uh, Melvin Edgem, Brady Heslip, Joel Anthony, uh, Peter McNeil, Philip Scrub, Thomas Scrub, and Kyle Wiltger. Who, uh, Chris Boucher is a hockey name. What's not a basketball name? <laughs> I think he played at Oregon. Yeah. Well, okay. I think he did play at Oregon okay. when he was in college. Yeah, but well, that's a hockey name when you come to mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I tell you what, maybe things are turning around for Canada because they had a great night at the draft last night. I think it went under the radar, though, how good of a draft Cleveland had. I think they got mm-hmm. a good little recruiting class. <laughs> Recruiting class, class. Rookie class yeah. for John Beeline. Yeah, and uh, you wonder, a lot of people are wondering why Beeline went to Cleveland in the first place, mm-hmm. and maybe he's already having that influence. Maybe he's building something. Yeah, they got Garland, Windler, mm-hmm. and then Porter. And you know, Porter, I'm surprised he slipped to the last pick of the first round, but he's still got a lot of growing to do. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but there's a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, a lot of this is on potential during the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, the NBA is so, and the NFL is all about what can you do immediately. Well, there's a different perspective looking at it is maybe give them a couple of years and they can emerge into something. I, I I think there's a lot of impatience when it comes to the pros, and sometimes it takes a year or two for a player to find their groove, and maybe that'll be the case. The Pistons selected 15th overall, and they took a young man out of France who I cannot even begin to pronounce his name. Yeah, and nobody knows <laughs> who he is either. Nobody knows who he is. Maybe he's good. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, uh, but it's I, an interesting philosophy for the Pistons. I practiced yesterday, and when it came time to do the show, butchered the sisters out of Stanford, their their name. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not even going to try with this one. But you know, whoever he is, I hope, uh, hope the Pistons are happy with him. Maybe he turns out to be a... Or Zengus, or one of those guys that you've never heard of. A Dirk. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. One of the guys you've never heard of that comes over here and balls out. Yeah, when I saw that pick, I was like, have fun for every announcer or uh, sports writer (laughs) who tries to spell that. You know, it's... uh, I don't envy the Pistons, <laughs> the crew. Copy and paste. Yeah, that counts. Uh, him against Giannis whenever they play each other. Yeah, it, uh, well, it took me a long time to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> it took me so. a long time to be able to say Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you what, how about the Wolves? Did they need to trade up to get Jarrett Culver? What would you think about that pick? It kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought, yeah. there's some guys we're trading up for, but I don't know that I would have traded up to get Jarrett Culver. I wouldn't have done that either, but it's how Minnesota operates. They make a <laughs> bunch of terrible draft picks, and uh, just, I mean, this is this team that passed on Steph Curry in favor of Johnny Flynn, <laughs> who was a decent player at Syracuse, but I liked him, but I was like, come on. And then, you know, they'll, I mean, they wasted, they made the trade, uh, with the Bucks to send Ray Allen there and mm. kept Stefan Marbury, who didn't want to play in Minnesota, and he had two good years, and then he went off and, you know, faded to non-existence out in New York. So, yeah, I, the Wolves draft terribly. Uh, does any Minnesota team have a general manager who hasn't been embarrassed? I'm gonna lay. Rick Spielman gives $84 million to uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, everyone just wants Paul Fenton out of there already. He hasn't made a good impression, it seems like, with the Wild. He's keeping Boudreau around for another year. I mean, thank God for Falvey and Levine. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> They're doing well. They've, yeah. they've got the Twins in first place. I, I guess, uh, well, the Twins used to be seen as, like, the general managers who didn't know what they were doing. Terry Ryan? Yeah. Who, what, <laughs> Post-2010? Post-2010. As soon as he got the job back, then, then things went downhill. <laughs> but, uh, Aaron I, Hicks for John Ryan Murphy. Yeah, that was the nail in the coffin that killed his career, and mm-hmm. he'll never be back. But uh, I, Spielman, I don't like him. The Wild GM, I mean, the Wild by all logic, 
should be going deeper in the playoffs and even making the playoffs <laughs> bare minimum. Right. And they're just not doing it. And Boost Bourgeau is not liked in Minnesota. No. And uh, the fact that he's coming back is just mind-boggling to me. So. Well, I tell you what, as a Celtics fan, I know there's been a lot of uh, reason to be discouraged. I've still felt optimistic, encouraged. They have a lot of money available. They've got about $27 million in cap space still left. And they've got a great front office. They've got a, you know, they haven't drafted necessarily well over the past few years. Uh, Jason Tatum, I guess you can say, is the exception. But they get the right pieces in place to be, you know, a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Still looking for that championship, though. They haven't had one in about 11 years. However, I think they have some clarity after last night's draft. I thought they had a pretty good draft. They get four guys Ooh, who can bad, handle yeah. the ball, all of them under six foot seven, which tells me that their backcourt. It's pretty they're well backward, yeah, They're not they're, looking to go out and get a guard in free agency. That that twenty-seven million is gonna you know, the bulk of it is gonna be spent on a big man to replace Al Horford, which is probably what they should be doing. Right? Yeah. right. I think that's <laughs> yeah. the right move. Yeah, it's uh, their backcourt's solid, and uh, now you just got to work in the post. And I think uh, they'll fi- they'll figure it out. The Celtics are actually one of the better managed teams <laughs> in the NBA. Uh, I look at the Wolves, and it's just like I wish they could be like Boston. So. Uh, Romeo Lankford, a lot to like yeah, about yeah, him. Mm-hmm. And then Carson Edwards, like 33rd overall. That was a steal. Yeah, um, I thought he might go a little higher. Yeah. But, uh, put on a show, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously, in the NCAA tournaments. So. Grant Williams did as well yeah. out of Tennessee. They got him 22nd overall. And then Draymond Waters from LSU mm-hmm. with their last pick. So they've got a, some good ball handlers. They're adding to Brown, Tatum, and Rozier. There's a lot of reason to think their backcourt, despite experience, should be talented. And if they go out and try to build around a big guy, I keep hearing Nikola Vucevic from Orlando, which I'm not thrilled about. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, that looks like that's going to be the plan right now is go out and spend that money on a big guy. You know, I trust Boston and uh, their philosophy. I think they're creating a good stable core, and if they can get a good post player that you can build around, that's a smart, that's a smart way of thinking. Well, I tell you what, uh, the Chicago Bulls took Kobe White out of North Carolina, seventh overall. Did you see his reaction to his teammate Cam Johnson getting selected 11th overall? I did not see that. Best reaction of the night. Good thing for you. I've got the audio. Cameron Johnson just went uh, 11th. How do you react to that news? He went what? 11th. Cam Johnson 11th. Yep. It's right on the screen right there. Wow. Wow. Wow, bro. That's crazy. That's so love, bro. Because if y'all know Cam, you don't know how hard Cam worked. And, you know, it's a lot of people that doubt him, but, wow, I'm just, bro, it's such a, that's crazy, bro. Wow, that's so crazy. I'm so happy for him right now. Y'all don't understand how happy I am for Cam. He went, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow, bro. I love that. I wish we all had friends like like Kobe White. Yeah, which I, I couldn't tell with that reaction if he was, like, <laughs> Like, happy slash, like, or more like disbelief in the same way. Like, I'm happy for my guy, but he shouldn't have been drafted. Like, I think a little bit of both. I yeah, think there's a little bit like, of both involved in it. What? You know? So it's like you're happy for your friend, and you're also like, they didn't deserve this. You know? It's kind of like a mixed feelings thing I think he had. Well, with that, uh, the NBA draft is over. Free agency is about a hit. Mm-hmm. Nine more days, and then free agency is open. I'm going to be trying to, you know, because it's June 30th, yeah. about 6 o'clock, it opens officially. I'm going to be enjoying my birthday dinner right about then, and then I'm going to be thinking, i got work to be doing. I can't be enjoying anything. It's interesting how that happens. <laughs> you know, it's like there's, even when you think there's a break in the year, mm-hmm. there really isn't. Nope. There's going to be nothing. Yeah, there's, maybe, there, maybe there's that stretch in July, mm-hmm. but after that, no. You hear people say there's only one major sport going on right now, or you know my conversations with Blake and Ryan and the previous sports pen hosts, and they'll tell me you gotta be prepared for this part of the year because there's not a lot going on. There's MLB and that's it. Well, we're gonna have one yeah. of the most entertaining free agency periods here coming up. Yeah, it's like the the thing is is there may not be something every day. <clears throat> so you have to search for stuff. It's kind of like what it is, uh, you know, we say at the newspaper, you know, once the spring sports season ends, you have to, the stories aren't there. They don't come to you. You have to go find stuff. Right. And that's the case a lot of times in the summer. 
Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along. Coming up, the NHL draft begins tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern in Vancouver. Ryan and I break it down for you next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. The NHL draft begins this evening in Vancouver, 8 o'clock for those of us here in the Eastern Time Zone. I tell you what, we know who the top two picks are going to be in what order, similar to the basketball draft a little bit. And beyond that, it could get pretty yeah, fun it's a, because it's a toss-up. Yeah. It's a pretty good first round. Yeah, it, uh, and you got a wide variety. It's not just scorers. you got a couple goaltenders in there. Mm-hmm. you got some hard-hitting defensemen. It's a... Uh, it's a pr- unlike the NBA draft where it was extremely top heavy. The NHL draft's pretty deep, I think, through the first mm-hmm. round. And uh, we know who's going number one overall. An Orlando native is going to Vancouver, only to be told that he's sent to New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting uh, <laughs> from pretty Vancouver over to New Jersey, and uh, not a very pretty part of New Jersey is what I've heard. So, uh, um, so Mr. Hughes is going to be playing his home games in the Prudential Center. Mr. For Hughes goes to, to Jersey. Mr. Yeah. Hughes goes to Jersey, <laughs> and then the New York Rangers are going to tape. Capo Caco. Yeah. Capo Caco uh, at number two overall. Straight out, straight out of Finland. Straight out of Finland. He's a really very sharp scorer. He can hit shots. Um, <laughs> the Steph Curry, you think, of uh, of Could be. Of prospect Could translate yeah, to it. Yeah, you know. He can hit, you know, very good sniper, really good skills. He's won international competitions. I'm looking it up here. He... He's just an all-around good player. He's won two gold medals at international events, set an elite league rookie scoring mark. Mm. It's like if it wasn't Jack Hughes, he'd be going first oh, overall. Yeah? yeah, I mean, I think if Jack Hughes wasn't in front of him, yeah. So what is it that sets Hughes apart of Capo Caco? I think it's it's more like a deep talent. You know, it's going to... He has the ability to be the center that New Jersey's been looking for, mm-hmm. where I think... Kako's really more of a flashy forward, and but you, they, you can't really build on that. He maybe is the guy that gives you the stats, but he's not the kind of core player. So if you're needing a guy who can, who guy can put a lot of goals in, you'd go that route. But if you're wanting like a good all-around player, you got to go with Jack Hughes. Third overall, I think we have an idea about who it's going to be. I could be wrong, but who are you thinking goes number three? Um, Trevor? I think maybe Trevor Zegras, maybe. Think so? Yeah. Okay. That's a possibility. It's a possibility. Who are you thinking? I was thinking Alex. Okay. Mm. What do you think? I, I like the way he plays. I think he'd be a good fit with them. I can just see it work. And besides that, I think he would be the most talented player yeah. left in the draft up to that point. But yeah. But They're I, most talented in this draft. I've seen I've seen hockey drafts go a little wacky. They like to, <laughs> like to play around. I just like him because... I think he's a very creative player. He can make plays, mm-hmm. and uh, just there's a lot of potential there. He he's he has a very top end, you mm-hmm. know. And has you know the Sporting News made a joke? They said if you're a fa- fantasy hockey person, you're gonna love heaven. Him on your team. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, I-, I just see him going high. Well, I tell you what, that is Chicago drafting number three overall. And Chicago loves that. to. Loves to play around with it. Yes, they do, but I'm not sure how much I trust their front office anymore. Not that, more. Not not anymore. Did you see last weekend's trade? That was a, yeah. <laughs> they got burned on that Ole Matted deal. I'm happy about it because it helps out the Penguins. But Dominic Cahoon plus a pick going to Pittsburgh in exchange for Ole Matta. That's highway robbery. Well, it's maybe their their idea is we've won three cups. In a really nice decade, that should satisfy us for a while. <laughs> I mean, we were so bad for such a lot from like the for like the late nineties and the early aughts. Maybe a little downward trend will help us. We'll get to where we want to be again. I don't know. Strange philosophy, but it works. I don't think that's the philosophy <laughs> that the fans want. No, no, definitely not. I I don't see that sticking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tell you what, I, I want to run this by you. It gets a little bit away from mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. from the draft. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about Seattle off air, and eventually, what their team nickname will be. Pretty soon, they're going to have to start putting a staff together. When you look out at the landscape now that we've got guys in place as far as coaches, who could be a good fit there, and who could be their GM? Because a few names that I've seen are Ron Francis they and Ron Hextel. I think for GMs, it's hard to top those two. I think, uh, you know, Ron Francis is a big name. 
uh, you know, he's he has a good eye for prospects. I mean, he's maybe not had the greatest track record as a GM, but mm-hmm. if you want something that can maybe build something from the start, he's good there. Ron Hextall, very successful with the Flyers. Looks, he can think out, outside the box, which I think sometimes you need as a GM. He was the guy you thought hire a college coach, a successful coach than Dave Hextall, who did pretty well in the pros, but mm-hmm. he was in Philly and... It, you know, you, you can get any coach you want, but if you don't give him a roster to work with, it's hard for them to be successful. So I feel like he got a raw deal there. But, you know, Ron knows, both Rons, I think, would be a good fit there. Uh, unfortunately, which is something I hate in sports, but I think with an expansion team that's going to be the case, they're going to get a guy who's been around the block a few times, maybe not necessarily been successful, mm-hmm. but... He's a name, that kind of a thing, which I, I I hate it when that happens, but I feel like sometimes on an expansion team that might be the route you have to go. Especially in hockey. Yeah, especially in hockey. It's it's It happens a lot. How about once Bruce Boudreaux gets fired midway through this wild <laughs> season, then he goes over to Seattle? Maybe. It literally might happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Ken Hitchcock get, is going to Yeah, get a, get a bus ticket, you know, for, for Bruce here. You know, Seattle's waiting for you, you know. They'll take your call. So I could see that happening. Ken Hitchcock, I people need to stay away from him. Just, <laughs> he just needs he, to stay away from him. Yeah, yeah, just you're retired. Go do your thing. You know. He's I, got such a great legacy, and he is committed to just making it look as bad or giving people a bad taste in their mouth, like yeah. leaving that with them. Yeah, I mean, you think you're going to have a team that's going to be wildly successful, and you want him gone <laughs> in like a couple of years. It's, it's unfortunate because he's actually a pretty decent coach, but yeah. You see Dave Tippett just got hired to replace him? There's another guy who's been around the block too many times. I just uh, runs Arizona into the ground, and he's back. Yeah, it's it's the whole. Hey, this guy did did such an awesome, uh, an awful job at his last gig. That's a guy who we want. That, I just I don't understand the logic there. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Steig, with you. Glad to have you along, Mike Yo. Mike Yo. Uh, how about that, Mike Yo? <laughs> I just thought of that. Except he's waiting for Alan Vigneault to get canned in Philly. Yeah. Then that'll be his job. Well, he'll, fail, he'll fail there, too, and maybe he'll eventually he'll make his uh, way. Whichever one doesn't get the job when Vigneault gets fired in two to three years, yeah. between him and Lindy Ruff, whichever those assistants doesn't yeah. get promoted, or they just bring up whoever's at the AHL Philly yeah. at that time and make him the head coach, they'll both walk. Yeah. They can go to Seattle and be co-head coaches. Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> I don't think any. I hate of, it when teams do yeah, that. and I don't think any of them have the uh, more an easygoing ego to be able to share duties with no. somebody else. No, uh, I tell you what. Um, what was I get? Oh uh, yeah, I know what I was getting to. Back to the draft. I uh, wanted to ask you about Bobby Brink. He played yeah, with yeah. the Sioux City Musketeers. I covered him, and uh, he's some people are saying go. he's uh, one of the best Minnesotans. Oh yeah, yeah, overall. Easily. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed watching him. He made it a lot of fun to cover him. Uh, he's projected to go somewhere between 20th and 25th tonight. That's what I was saying, too. Give me your thoughts on him. I, I think he's got a lot of raw talent, but he's not he, he's not the superstar, <clears throat> at least not that level yet. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to be like what Jack Hughes can be, It's um, but I think he could be a very productive player. Um, he's not going to be a 50, 50, 60 goal scorer and no. that kind of stuff. But he can be a piece that can fill into your top line. I think he's going to be successful there. The Red Wings are picking at number six tonight. What are they looking at? What is Eisenman <laughs> going to do? I think he's going to be safe. You I think, think he's so? going to try to be safe. I don't see him really going out on a limb. Um, I think he's. <clears throat> I think he... He's a very different approach than uh, Ken Holland used to do. Ken Holland was so obsessive with getting veterans and getting free agents, whereas Iserman, I think, is going to look very closely at who they're going to get. I think maybe Matthew Boldy, hmm. maybe Alex Turcotte. I don't know. Depends on if Alex is taken right. that high. I think if he falls that far, he'll take him. That'd be but a steal that'd to be get a that steal. guy at number yeah. six. But I don't I don't know. I think uh, I think he's probably going to go with Matthew Boldy. I think that's going to be his guy. I tell you what. Two months ago, you could have asked anyone, and they said, or they would have said, that the top three picks are pretty well solidified. It would be Hughes, yeah, uh, Capocacco, and then I think a lot of people would have thought that Vasily Polkazin yeah. would be the third overall pick. 
And Another well, one of those fun names. <laughs> Vasily Polkazin. Yeah. It just slides off the tongue. Yeah. But I tell you what, uh, the latest mock that I saw has him sliding all the way down to number 10. He's talented. I mean, he could skate with the best of them. He's fast. He's a good puck handler. But he's had problems scoring the puck, like, a lot lately. And no matter how good you are at any if other stats, aspect of yeah. the game, if you're not scoring, you're not going to get taken in the top three. Yeah, if... Uh the top three are, ver- are you know, pretty much reserved for guys who put up insane numbers or guys who have the ability to be that core player you can build around. And uh, if you can't score, that's not helping you. No. And that that's just why, as talented as he is, he's a top three talent, but he hasn't been putting the puck in the back yeah, of the Yeah, I mean, net. like, you can look as good as you mm-hmm. on video. Look what this guy can do, but if you can't score... It's like it's like okay, look what he can do, but he won't finish the job. That's what it is. Like if you put him in that skills challenge they have on All Star Weekend, and you put this entire draft class through that, he might win it. But his lack of scoring lately, internationally, uh, over in the KHL, he's just not been putting the puck in the back of the net. So as talented as he is, he's very likely going to slip to the mid first round area. Um, I could say. Maybe he'd crack the top 10, but probably maybe 12th, 13th, 14th. Mm-hmm. I could see him falling that far. It's just when you're trying to get drafted, you don't want to be going in on a downward trend. No. You know, you got you either are so well known that you know you're going to go high or you're, you know, you're climbing and that you're peaking at the right time and uh he's going to be tumbling in the draft, which is unfortunate because he's a very good player, but it's all about stats in a lot of people's minds. Kind of like Bull Bull last night. I felt bad for him. Mm-hmm. I did. I mean, if he would have fallen to me and I'm picking, if I were the Celtics and I was, you know, picking at 22 and he was still available, you know, I love the Grant Williams pick, mm-hmm. but I'd be tempted to go after him because his inability mm-hmm. to stay healthy is what scares me. Yeah. I get why uh, teams passed on him because there's no way he'll survive an 82 game schedule, but he can be a project. I mean, he can be a lot of fun, something to piece together and if he does pan out he's a top three talent in this draft i just felt bad for him slipping all the way to number 44 he lost out on a lot of money yeah it's uh it's sad when you see teams focus on such one aspect on mm-hmm. it and just disregard everything else so i was it was really unfortunate um so but hopefully you can build on that you know there's the photo of all the focus was going to be on Zion, mm-hmm. and the, poor Goga's sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's paying attention to me. And Dwayne Wade says, you know, use that as a fuel. <laughs> you know, people aren't looking at me. Maybe Bull Bull can get that, too. The Pistons did that to me with Darko Milicic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did that to him. Who else did they pass on? So um, many. Yeah, they passed on quite a few Hall of Famers later on after <laughs> taking Milicic one yeah. pick after LeBron. Uh, tell you what, we've got more on this coming up. I do want to play this audio for you. I've got some more audio, maybe even better than the first one. The St. Louis Blues had their Stanley Cup championship parade this week. Unlike Toronto's, it did go off without an incident. There were no shootings. Nobody was hospitalized, what have you. And Brett Hull is just having the time of his life. He got up there and made his address the only way he can, following up, what game was it? Was it six that he came out and made his Game six impression? in the pre-games, he, uh, he was intoxicated yeah. very heavily, and it was <laughs> very obvious, and uh, apparently never stopped, because he was that way <laughs> in Game 7 and at the victory parade. It, based on the eye test, it'd be very easy to think Brett Hole was inebriated at the St. Louis Blues Parade, and the audio I'm going to play for you here in just a few moments. I think he was holding a beer when they filmed him. I don't know how many that was for him, but yeah. uh, let's take a listen. There is nothing more they have to do. So instead of saying, let's go, Blues, we're going to say, we went Blues. Glory, Gloria. 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 I think I got your number. Gloria. We went blue. <laughs> I think I got your number. Uh, oh my god! I, I I bet he's never heard of that song before. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I, I heard it at the Blues game. I have to learn how to say it. Those are the only words he knows of it. Yeah, too. yeah. I think honestly, most people with that song. That's about the only <laughs> words that they know of it. So it was such a sleeper hit in that decade. But uh, they built on it, and Brett Hall. 
did Brett Hull things. Let's take a time out. We've got more on this, plus the Friday Funnies when we come back in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along this Friday afternoon. Here's your Sports Center update. TMZ obtained and released the audio tape of New York Jets running back Le'Veon Bell's 911 call after two women allegedly robbed him of over $500,000 worth of jewelry. You can hear him in the audio. Uh, when the police asked what the suspects were wearing, Bell was unable to answer because both women were naked. Former Detroit Piston Joe DeMars has been hired by the Kings as an advisor to GM Vladdy Duvac. And finally... The New York Mets have fired pitching coach Dave Island and replaced him with 82-year-old Michigan native Phil Regan. How about that? When, uh, (laughs) that's a bit of a reach, (laughs) but, you know, good for him. Native of Otsego, Michigan, born there in 1937, 82 years old, and he is the Mets interim pitching coach. Well, Maybe he's got a good arm still. Good I mean, for Phil Regan. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he still knows his stuff. He managed the Orioles in 1995. You First know, coaching job came at Grand Valley State. They were, uh, you know, that was during their uh, playoff era. I think they missed the playoffs that year. But they, uh, you know, 96, they ran at 97th in it. So he was around for that time. I love how the New York sports teams just continue to raise eyebrows and do a lot of stuff their fans probably, probably hate. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, who was it that they had as their pitching coach? I name doesn't come to me, but I thought he was pretty good. And now, eighty-two-year-old Phil Regan. I, if you're a member of the media though in New York, you got to just be loving this because terrible <laughs> decisions are what sells your product. I mean, it. You know, I was told this before by veteran reporters, and they said if you're covering a team and that's your beat, you hope they have either an amazingly spectacular season mm-hmm. where they win like a Stanley Cup or they win the World Series or a Super Bowl, or it's such a complete dumpster fire <laughs> where it's entertaining every day because you don't know what's going to happen, and uh, it's one or the other. Either one of them, you're going to have a memorable season. It's not because he's 82 years old that I think that yeah, this I don't may think that's not be thing. a great... I mean, you can be extremely knowledgeable when you're up there in age, mm-hmm. but there is a thing where you are too old school and you don't conform to the younger game, and that could be of concern. I don't know if Phil Regan is like that, but it's something that could be of concern to fans, especially when you're trying to target a younger generation. When you're dealing with guys in their younger 20s. <laughs> you hire a guy whose manager, when he made his MLB debut with the Tigers, uh, Jimmy Dykes, was born in 1896. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He did give up a home run to Harmon Killebrew in his, in his debut. So there you go. There you go. Back in 1960, final year as the Washington Senators. I, uh, I mean... I don't think it's going to be a terrible transition, but mm-hmm. you just, I mean, how does he feel about pitch counts? Yep. You know, how's, you know, does he, is he focused entirely on, you know, developing your fastball? Does he emphasize, you know, mixing and breaking balls? You know, do you pitch counts, distances, do you feel like the whole righty levy, lefty philosophy when you're facing batters? I mean, there's a lot of things going to play and, uh, I hope he gets asked these <laughs> at some point because, you know, I'd like to hear his philosophy. Can't be any worse than Dave Island was. No. And, and Mickey Calloway was the Indians pitching coach before he became the Mets manager. He pretty much runs the pitching staff anyway. My favorite stat about him, though, is that his first major league manager was born in the 1800s. No matter what, that's my favorite stat about Phil Regan. <sighs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, if I mean, history's fun in that regard, and it just... That's a little input that you gave today. Yeah, and that takes a little bit off of, uh, you know, it takes the attention away maybe from yeah. the first part of that update where Le'Veon Bell had to call 911 and admit that he couldn't describe who robbed him because he never saw them with clothes. That had to be an awkward thing, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, to be robbed mm-hmm. of that much, you know, <laughs> worth of money. It's just while they were naked, but that's... That's a story to tell. See, that's why he didn't go to OTAs, because this happened at the end of May. See, he didn't go to voluntary workouts, and he was getting heat for it. Then he does go to mandatory workouts, and he gets robbed. See, this is, this is what it is. If you, when you work out, 
<laughs> and participate in this kind of things, bad things will happen. So if you just that's lay, when they did it, they yeah. robbed him when he left for his workout. Exactly, lay off until training camp. <laughs> that's when you have to be there, unless you're holding out a contract or something. Show up then. None of these, none of these uh, preseason ones. And to be honest, sometimes I look at those and they're like. Do you really need them? Mm. You know, you already have a very long training camp session. You have four preseason games. <laughs> How much work are you going to do with OTAs before you're going to do go to training? It's just, it's, it's almost like you're desperately trying to the NFL desperately trying to stay in the spotlight. Hey, we exist. <laughs> I know we have a monopoly on <laughs> when it comes to sports in this country, but please pay attention to us. <laughs> Uh, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along. Well, in just a few hours, the NHL draft will get going. That again at 8 o'clock in Vancouver. We can agree on the first two picks. And then beyond that, yeah. I don't know who who's going to go where. And I don't think a lot of these teams do. Uh, you were telling me off the air about a few guys Detroit might have in mind. That Iserman's first pick in his return to Detroit. Who might that be? I think, uh, well, there's different routes he could go, I think. Um, but I think the one he's going to go with is, um, hmm, I think I'm going to go with Matthew Boldy. Good. Um, he's a great 200-foot forward, you know. He has size, fluidity, and people emphasize a lot. I mean, I always talk to coaches. They're like, he's got a good hockey mind. He's got hockey IQ, which mm-hmm. seems kind of like coach speak, <laughs> But it does translate in the game. You have to know what you're doing on the ice. He knows how to set up plays. He knows where to be at the right time. And I think it'd be a good fit for him. I, is he going to be the hot prospect that Jack Hughes is where you know he's going to be your guy for the future? No. But he's somebody that you can take and then add more pieces to it. So I think that would be a smart pick. If Alex falls that far, yeah. I think he's going to take that instead. But I don't think he's going to. But gonna you know, mistakes. they would be a steal if he did. Um, some people are thinking maybe Vasily. I think his stats are can't go yeah. that high on a guy no. who can't score. And uh, maybe defenseman Bowen Byram. But I think with him being this is his first time, he's going to go offense rather than defense. Mm. So I think he's going to go with that guy. Does it seem like hockey is the sport where the number one overall pick almost always works out? Like, who's the last number one overall bust from the NHL draft? That's a good question. Yeah. It seems like the number one pick in hockey is almost always the safest to pan out. Which is interesting, because yeah. when you look at other sports, that not especially football. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, Marcus it's, Russell well, comes to mind. Um, <laughs> Mario Williams. Yeah. And Reggie Bush taking after him. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know why that is. I, I think it's because... There can't miss prospects. You see, with football players, there's always a flaw in their game, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it gets overlooked just because they're tall or they have a nice arm or you know they're you know they've got a lot of muscle rather than what's going to help them in the future. Are they going to make an immediate impact? Are they going to have a long career? And uh, whereas hockey, it's pretty glaring that it's right on the surface what they're going to be. Or Kyler Murray, you have two small hands. Or Baker yeah. Mayfield, you don't know when to stop talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's everything's so mag- magnified in the NFL, whereas the NHL, it's kind of forgotten. I mean, sometimes you have to remind people that the NHL draft is actually taking place. Right. Some people probably weren't even aware of that. I doubt that a lot of people knew. Yeah, so uh, it's just interesting how the NHL is, is different from everywhere else. Did you hear the audio a few days ago? Baker Mayfield was getting into it with Sam Ellinger, the quarterback from Texas. You know, it was Oklahoma versus Texas, so there's a big rivalry thing there. Uh, apparently they have a pre-existing relationship because Baker said, I don't like him, he doesn't like me. And, you know, when Ellinger said that Texas was back, you know, they think they're going to have a quality season, and they should. Uh, Baker Mayfield just casually said, you know, they said that in 2016, I think it was, when they beat Notre Dame, that they thought they were back then. And from a media thing, I have no problem with it. I don't. In fact, I kind of love it, to be honest with you. And certainly because it gives, you know, us content, gives us something to talk about. But somebody probably has a problem out there with Baker calling out a college kid like i'm not saying it's a bad look but i don't think it helps him in any sense yeah a pro player trash talking a college player probably (laughs) isn't 
but I love it. I personally don't uh, have a problem. Uh, with it. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great look for him, but I I think it might be a little overblown because uh, there is the rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma, and he is right. You know, Texas <laughs> has been hyped up every year. This is Texas is back. No, they're not. And then Texas is back this year, and they'll get like one win. That'll be a little surprising. Like maybe they'll beat Oklahoma mm-hmm. or the game against Notre Dame. Be like maybe they are turning around. But then they'll go like seven and six, or you know. And it's just which Texas's lack of success is just weird to mm-hmm. me. They have such a massively large athletic department with a lot of money <laughs> you think that they would be able to put together a consistently good football program but they got more money than oklahoma does and oklahoma mm-hmm. out- does them every year i don't understand that oklahoma's gonna have even less money to try and keep Lincoln yeah. riley around yeah it's uh it's just weird it's such a huge destination like there's so many people like coaches be like i hope to coach at texas but so many coaches since Mac Brown have just plummeted since mm-hmm. they've gotten there. So I do like Tom Herman, though. I think they have a good guy. In I think he's, yeah, for right now. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, a little bit of a tangent, but I want to get back to hockey go. before the break. Uh, really unfortunate news today that Ryan Callahan received medical news that is going to force him to, in all likelihood, retire. Doctors are recommending because of his lower back injuries that he retired. I always like watching him play. It's a big loss for him and for the Tampa Lightning. Yeah, it's um he's one of those players that uh, is always there. I mean, he's not a star power guy, but people hockey fans knew who Ryan Callahan was. Played in the World Cup a few yeah. years ago. He was a just a very consistent player. Um could score the whole hockey IQ thing again. He knew where, he knew where to be on the ice and uh it's unfortunate when you have to go out this way you're not going out on your own terms. You're being kind of shoved into retirement because of your health and uh that's not the way you want to go out kind of reminds me of pascal dupuis uh, back in 2016 i think when pittsburgh made their run yeah he was a second liner uh right wing for them yeah and uh just unfortunate how that turned out but well i tell you what i hate to end this segment on that note but the friday <laughs> funnies are coming up yeah next. so we'll have a, a positive thing there we'll get it back on track next in the sports pen on espn up Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, you can check it out on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. I'm Hoops, he's Stig, and this is The Sports Pen, and we end the week the way we always love to with the Friday Funnies. I, I, you know, trolls are... Uh... They're an acquired taste. I know where you're going with yeah, this. Yes, you know, so it's, you know, sometimes people like them, sometimes you don't. I, I appreciate a good troll job as long as they do it uh, effectively and it's not overly, you know, it's not excessive. But uh, so the the Dodgers organist, have you heard about this? What no. He did? Okay. So there was the whole feud between Madison Baumgartner and Mac Mun- Max Muncy mm-hmm. a few weeks ago where Muncy, you know, maybe uh, – hyped up his little home run a little bit and did a <laughs> slower trot against around the bases and he hit it he hit the ball off Baumgartner into McCarty Cove and to uh, you know down into the bay and Mac Muncy who after Baumgartner's yelling at him to run faster said you know go fish the ball out of mm-hmm. the ocean so the Dodgers organist had some fun with it when Baumgartner pitched he played five ocean theme songs whenever Max came up to the plate, including Smoke on the Water, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, <laughs> and Under the Sea. And I appreciate a good troll job like this. Cause, and you know what? It worked because Bumgarner didn't play very well that <laughs> night. So, you know, I, I enjoy a good troll job like that. I can't wait until midseason where the Giants are well out of contention and they trade Bumgarner to the Yankees and he revitalizes his career. You think he's going to? Yeah. Well, here's would he go to L.A.? Boy, wouldn't that be hilarious? Oh, boy, if he went to the Dodgers. The, I don't think they want him. The, there's, there's been so much speculation on the West Coast. I have some guys that I know out there just like people are saying, what if he goes to the Dodgers? I'm like, well, there would be an interesting teammate, teammate dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who hit the home run after you, you had this little feud. and uh, but Yeah, I, I love a good troll job like that. Now, I also love creative ways to f- to get the job done on mm-hmm. the field. Here's Jesse Winker of the Reds hit a ball to the wall against the Brewers. He's not the greatest base runner. He thinks he's going to take third. He pr- should have stopped at second, but he's going to try for third. The relay throw 
beats him by so, so badly. I mean, if you if you were to gauge at it from a distant shot, it's probably a good like eight or ten steps. <laughs> That's how bad the throw was. But he made a move that is really impressive. If you see it, he timed his slide perfectly, where he managed to flip himself and around Travis Shaw's tag and die and leapt over him lunging for the bag. So he was safe after a replay. They looked at it and was ruled <laughs> safe. So this guy was going to be out by a mile and somehow managed <laughs> to be safe by almost pulling a Willie Mays haze on him from major league Two. It was really, it, the replay is really fun to watch. I, uh, for a guy who's very, who's not that fast mm-hmm. to be able to pull a move like that, I, I applaud that. Um, is it one? Have you seen wackier things like guys no. that? Yeah, um, guys who probably shouldn't be running to third. <laughs> it's almost as good as when Miguel Cabrera made it to third oh, on boy. the throw on the Twins. I tell you, <laughs> but uh, you know, I brought up earlier the Wizards. You know, just briefly to touch on it. I mean, the fact that they don't have a GM right now. They drafted a guy that they didn't meet mm-hmm. or didn't speak to. So you're going completely blind and maybe looking at stats and thinking that name sounds fun. That's basically how the Wizards operated in the draft. Um, this is Chauncey Billups said something stupid last night during the draft. Do you hear that? What he said about Zion? No. Okay. So he decided to add into his comments that Zion was, quote, raised right because he had two parents in his home. This is a remarkably dumb thing to say, um, because that doesn't prove anything. Mm -hmm. And as someone who's been around kids so long, I've seen a lot of kids be successful if they only have one parent in their home, or if they have, you know, or if they live with foster parents, or if they live with relatives, or, you know, it's... You can be successful no matter what. So that was just really dumb what he said. So it's funny in that regard, but it's also a serious thing that needs to be addressed. Right. Like it's a it's a stereotype that needs to go away. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Uh, but then there's Dick Vitale, who is. Do you want to think he's getting closer to senility, or is uh, it, I'd like to think not. But I I, I want to say no. But for some people, he's starting to veer in that direction. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Did you see his tweet? No. Okay, so he sent out a tweet last night, and I don't know if Dick just doesn't quite understand how to tweet, but he he came up with this theory that the Pelicans were flipping the fourth pick to get the Pacers center, Miles Turner. Mm -hmm. Okay? He... And it somehow involves the Hawks and the 10th pick. So his theory was the Pelicans flip the 4th pick for the 8th and the 10th pick and package the 8th pick for Turner. That was his idea. He argued with Dan Dockage <laughs> over this idea. And uh, Dan Dockage, who I'm not a fan of, this is one of the rare occasions where I actually agree with him, said that this is... This wasn't going to happen. It's absurd. <laughs> and then it ends up not happening. Dick, of course, did the responsible thing and said, you know, I was wrong and that kind of thing. And people were wondering, well, where did he get this idea? This wasn't a prediction? This was something he thought was fact? He, he, he thought, was he thought this was fact. Oh, jeez. Okay. And the theory is he got it from a Bill Simmons tweet who was throwing out a idea proposal on Twitter, which is the Hawks get four, the Pacers get eight, and the Pelicans get ten, and Turner. That was his idea. And Dick apparently took that as, this is a done deal, and this happened. So, I don't know if he doesn't understand Twitter and how this works, that people throw out ideas all the time, but it doesn't guarantee that something happened. But, uh, so there's your laugh for Dick Vitale. He's, uh, as a Legendary commentator, has some great catchphrases, some memorable moments, but isn't the best on social media. I met Dick Vitale once. Did you? Yeah, I went and heard him speak when he came to Iowa before. Was he as boisterous, like, in public as he is on his persona? Or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, it's not, an, in, yeah. so it's not an act? Is, no. No. No, he's, he's that kind of guy. But I tell you what, he's a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Well, I appreciate that. A few months ago when the playoffs were going on and the Lightning were on the verge of getting swept, he tweeted out, why doesn't the NHL just do, uh, why don't they see the postseason 
uh, by where you finish in your standings instead of where you finish like by each division. Why not just go straight up one through eight in each conference? Not realizing that even if the NHL did that, the Lightning matchup would not change. They would still yeah. be getting swept. Well, he tried. He tried. <laughs> Stick to basketball, yeah, though. Yeah, um, Max Scherzer um, of Nationals, former Tiger, mm-hmm. broke his nose and has a shiner on his face because during batting practice, have you seen the replays uh-huh. where he tried to bunt and not very well no. as the ball went off his bat and directly hit him right in the face? And I'm looking at the replay, and it's like, was Max Scherzer never taught how to bunt <laughs> properly? Because it's like... He didn't really even turn around to bunt. He just kind of stuck his bat out there and was, like, hoping for the best. Because <laughs> it's like, when I was in Little League, they taught you how to bunt effectively. Mm-hmm. And it's like, did that never get passed on to Max? Anyway, though, he made sure to pitch yes. the next night and even took batting practice. He wasn't afraid of getting drilled in the face again because of his own inability. So, good for Max. Pitched well, too. Yeah. Seven shutout innings, struck out ten. No, good bounce back for him for making a fool of himself. Credit Kirk Suzuki calling a good game behind the plate. Yeah, um, catchers also didn't get a lot of credit. If there's a good pitching (laughs) outing, they deserve uh, some shout-out, too. The last one is this has happened a lot over you know the years in baseball, and it happened again. Minor league ball between Scranton and Norfolk. Um, it's the tenth inning, and fly ball goes to the outfield. The guy corrals it and thinks isn't keeping track of the outs, so he casually throws the ball into the stands to a fan. Run comes around to score. The opposing team wins the game, and it's like. This happens way too often. Like, I don't know if outfielders get lazy out there if they lose track of time, but you got to know what's going on. He didn't calculate the outs correctly, tossed in the, tossed in the stands, ball's out of play now. And it's like Milton Bradley. <laughs> Was that in, like, 09 when yeah. the Cubs were playing the Twins? He did that? Yeah, and uh, Larry Walker did that yep. back in the day. It's just... And it's funny because then they go get the ball from the fan and try to chuck it back in, and uh, but yeah, that just a, a, a frequent thing that happens happened again. Last so week I was tuned into the Twins and I they were playing somebody I don't remember who it was, and he didn't know how many outs there were. Fortunately for him though, it was the third out and he thought there was two, so he was gunning the ball back in while the rest of his team is walking out the field. Well, it's better than the alternative. (laughs) You know, it's like, I applaud that effort. Uh You know, I mean, yeah, it looks ridiculous when you're watching the ball just sail by you. (laughs) But still, I mean, uh, you got to know what's going on in the game. I I mean, I played outfield, and there are times, especially if you're in a bad game, where you're just like, you know, your mind maybe wanders for a second because, you know, it's such a bad game. But you at least got to know what's going on, Mm -hmm. and sometimes that happens, so. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. That is it for us on this Friday afternoon. Got a column coming out this week, no? Yeah, um, well, on Sunday I have a feature story I did on Adam Rader. He's mm. uh, with the uh, enemy hockey team. He's from St. Louis. I talked to him a little bit about the Stanley Cup win and what it's like playing hockey in Missouri, that people might like that. And my Sunday column is going to be on the Women's World Cup. So mm, yeah. a little very interesting mix you got coming out of me on, on Sunday. So The U.S. has scored 18 goals in their first three games. They've allowed four shots on goal. Yeah. That's incredible. They're, uh, they're without a doubt the favorites to win it all. It's not going to be easy. There's a lot of good teams out there, mm-hmm. but they are the overwhelming favorite. That is it for us. Once again, I'm going to be back on Monday. Tune in then. For Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP. Wow. Wow. Wow, bro. That's crazy. That's so love, bro. Wow. I'm just, bro, it's such a, that's crazy, bro. Wow. That's so crazy.